Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here, and I have a great guest for you guys today. I'm going solo. I'm talking to Walker Mail of the Locked On Hornets podcast. What is he here for? Well, you'll see in a second, but we talk a lot about how the teams are sort of in similar places this year, but why, due to some circumstances, the Hornets could be potentially in need of a Julius Randle-type player. So, I know half of you are going to love that, half of you are going to hate that. We'll talk it through next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Starts without a five. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before bet online where the game starts and i want to thank you guys for making locked on next your first listen today and every day whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on youtube i appreciate you guys making us a part of your daily routine i'm alex wolf i'm editor-in-chief and excite the strickland which you can find at the strict.land and as i said i have a special guest today i have walker mail of the locked on hornets podcast maybe the sexiest voice in all of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'll let you be the judge as far as that's concerned, but I won't hold this up any longer. We have a really cool discussion where we're going to talk about mostly centered on a Julius Randle potential trade there to fill the Miles Bridges-sized hole on that roster from last year, but also just some really interesting discussions about the parallels between these teams and everything else this year. So won't hold this up anymore. Let's get right into it with Walker. All right, it is crossover time between Locked On Knicks and Locked On Hornets. Sort of strange bedfellows here. This is—I feel like <laughs> we never really have much opportunity to talk. Uh, Walker, I'm—I'm I'm Alex Wolf uh, from Locked On Knicks. Walker Mel here from Locked On Hornets. Walker, we don't normally get to—you know—it's like I think the first time our shows have ever crossed over, but we actually have something sort of to talk about for once. Which is we nice. do—we do have something to talk about with the whole Julius Randle trade speculation, and the Hornets are always kind of featured in these trade rumors, whether it be Miles Turner for the 18th time, whether it be Russell Westbrook just dumping bad salaries onto our roster. Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, like there's so many different trade rumors we're in, and so I'm surprised that we haven't cross paths but this would make sense right before the season starts hornets didn't do anything this offseason and we have the miles bridges situation going on and so we're still trying to figure out what's going to happen it makes sense even if it did take long yeah you know it's it's funny so many of those names always come up in conjunction with the knicks too i feel like the knicks have also been linked to miles turner like 800 times (laughs) so i guess he's just that sort of dude we're the Uh, spider-man name right now we're pointing right at each other except with different colors yeah (laughs) This is why we've never linked up before because there's never, you know, we're always after the same guy. So, of course, it's it's not going to work <laughs> out that way. Meanwhile, I've talked to Tony East like five times about different guys on the Pacers. <laughs> yeah, we probably um, should have. Yeah, we, we, yeah, definitely looking at the same people. And who knows, man? I mean, it's, it's a real thing. Like Julius Randle, I, 
he makes sense to bring Charlotte up in in that type of trade. And I know we're going to get to some other stuff here today, speaking about how like similar the off seasons have been. Jalen Brunson was a big difference between the two as far as big moves made. But other than that, and I mean, it's a, it's a big move, right? You're paying somebody over 20 mil a season. At the same time, still some pretty decent similarities between the Hornets and the Knicks. Yeah, I and you know, it's I know it's sort of the I, I mean it's not a great topic to be talking about based off why he is no longer available. So we could just sort of leave it's a it's a domestic. We can talk about it. Yeah. Like I mean with with bridges, I mean, I think that's the main reason that Randall would even be in the discussion here. Obviously, I mean, how did that whole bridges situation change things for the Hornets now? Because they were kind of on the upswing. Like I think that LaMelo and, and Bridges were going to be a really great young duo to grow with, like two 20-point-per-game scores, you know, that, like, LaMelo looks like he could potentially be, like, a 1A on, like, a really good team, and right. Bridges certainly looks like he could fill that. I don't know. Like, they're not perfectly analogous, but, like, Chris Middleton type, you know, like, 20-point-per-game score on a really good team sort of role. And then all of a sudden, obviously, that all kind of goes out the window. And, I mean, if things go the way that the evidence looks, Miles Bridges – if if the convictions come down a certain way, might never play another second of NBA basketball right. again, which kind of screws their plans up a pretty good amount. So, like, how much did that really throw a, a monkey wrench in the season, uh, or and just in their plans in general? Yeah. Well, first of all, first of all, the the timing was unbelievable for the Hornets because it was right before free agency. Like, <laughs> it might have been either the day before or two days before where that news comes out that Miles Bridges turns himself in in the city of Los Angeles on a felony domestic violence charge, and so now it's the Hornets who are trying to figure out exactly how to operate. And then Michelle Johnson posts on social media all of the injuries that she suffered. And she also talked about how they were because of Miles Bridges. There are a couple of counts that Miles is facing, by the way, including child abuse. And from my read on everything, it is because of the injuries that Michelle Johnson suffered and and Miles Bridges doing that in front of the children. And so that is the form of child abuse, however you want to deem that. But that is what they were kind of talking about, I guess, not physically touching the child in that way. Still, it is all horrific. Miles Bridges now, if he, if he gets convicted, Alex, like you're right. We're not talking about how long he'll be suspended. Hell, it's not going to be up to the Hornets or Adam Silver. It's going to be up to the damn justice system where they're not going to allow him to play because he's going to be in jail. Like that's th- this is this is a huge case given where we are as far as the social climate, deservedly so, putting a higher emphasis on the on not accepting domestic violence anymore, right? Like to, to have Miles Bridges in this situation where Jeffrey Taylor was the last one I can think of that got any substantial suspension. That was 24 games, I believe, for pushing a woman across a hotel uh, hallway and decided to plead guilty or, and, and wasn't going to find or wasn't going to fight the suspension and just decide, you know what, I'm just going to take it as is. Miles Bridges, this thing keeps continuing. So that's the situation. It absolutely <laughs> stalled the Hornets in their operations because they were going to offer him close to, if not the max. He was going to make $30 million a year. It was going to happen. You know, I, I heard like, I think people kind of hypothesized maybe the Detroit Pistons would give him an offer, but I kind of heard Indiana was going to be interested in Miles Bridges too. And so if that was the case, then, you know, all right. But, but the Hornets were going to match that. 
And now when, when you're initially trying to figure out what's going to take place with Miles, you don't want to dish out all that money anywhere else. And it's not like they have a ton of money, by the way. It's not like they have this huge amount of cap space to go spend it on other players. You were in the situation where you uh, were allowed to match any offer sheet for Miles, but it's not like they have a ton of cap uh, room, you know, still paying Nick Batum's contract. Terry Rozier's making 20 mil. Gordon Hayward's making 30 mil. That's it's all very tough for them to decide to bring other players on. So anyways, roundabout way of saying, yeah, it really threw the Hornets for a loop on how to operate this offseason because this was a guy that was going to be that fringe all-star that you envisioned being a pillar for your franchise going forward. And certainly not the case right now. I mean, at least you're thinking of him missing a significant portion of the season, if not his entire career. All right, I'll be right back in with Walker in just a second. Uh, we're going to talk about this Randall thing more, and he's going to like actively try to talk himself out of it, and I'm going to try to actively talk him back into it, including whether uh, the switch from Tom Thibodeau to Steve Clifford could actually be a good thing uh, with a little more accountability on the part of the coach uh, down there in Charlotte. But first, I got to let you guys know today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check out on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, and of course, basketball. I looked up some up-to-the-minute lines for right now, at least up-to-the-minute as of when I'm recording this. And who else? Tom Thibodeau sitting at plus 5,000 right now for Coach of the Year. I don't know. Maybe you like him to to get himself back to that point in coaching. Maybe that was the whole point of last year to like lay the foundation to come back this year and come snatch a third Coach of the Year uh, for him. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's the case. All I can say is a $5 bet would make you a cool 250 on that. So not too bad of a bet to make. So if you want to do that or make some slightly more reasonable reasonable bets, head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Yeah. I, so, the, I mean, nothing like that to completely derail what looked to be a pretty promising organization at the moment, you know, like with LaMelo in place, Bridges there, uh, all the progress that they made last year. I think that's where that brings us to like a Julius Randle type player because as as you said, A, it's not like they had a ton of money to spend to begin with, but B, it's not like Charlotte has traditionally been a huge free agent destination anyway. Of course, I say this, you know, considering they did just sign Hayward a couple of years ago who the Knicks were also after, but apparently Hayward just wanted more than what the Knicks were willing to offer. Well, yeah, which, we gave him more money. That's what it was. Yeah, like Charlotte yeah. decided to give him more money and Gordon decided to, to take the bank. Probably a good idea. All things <laughs> considered with how things have gone. Especially now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're, you're totally right. Like Al Jefferson is the most impactful free agent signing we've ever had. You know, his first year with the Bobcats, he made the All-NBA team, was a third-team All-NBA member, the only the only player to have made an All-NBA team in the second reiteration of this franchise, the Bobcats-Hornets era. And, you know, Gordon Hayward made the most, the biggest the highest profile name to ever sign, but we know how much he's been injured the last couple of years. And uh, that's why Julius Randle, it might make some sense if the Hornets really thought of 
Randall being a guy they could depend on in the future. You can match that salary with Gordon Hayward for sure. In fact, you guys would have to try to match it a little more because Gordon Hayward's making more money. And um, you could get off of that contract. Like now, that that's the nice part about it is that it's expiring. And so that would be that would be some of the the benefits and that. I, I gotta tell you though, like for the Hornets, as much as it was awesome to see Julius Randle reach that all NBA level, we know what happened last year with Julius. The numbers went down across the board, all the counting stats, the one you pay attention to the most. The efficiency went down too. You talk about the points per possession for Julius Randle. I think it was like Russell Westbrook. He was down in that area. Like he had only a better point per possession than Russell Westbrook as far as the amount of possessions they had when you put that filter on it. I don't think Julius Randle is that bad. I think things happened to the point where it wasn't working out for him and the team. Of course, I know that they had their problems both ways, and that's why we're talking about a trade. It's it it's tough. Like, what kind of package would you think, Alex? Like, what what would you want for Julius Randle? What is the lowest amount you would settle for and still say, you know what, this is this is good enough for me to move off of Randle? If if it was me playing Leon Rose right now, I I would like in my well, okay, not playing Leon Rose. Let's just say I'm just being myself and what I would want first off. I I'm still I'm probably in the minority, but I I've seen a lot of people say like. I would straight up pay to get off Julius Randle at this point. Yeah. I'm not there yet. Um, you know, I, I, and it's, it's so funny because as you reference, you know, some of the, the stats didn't paint him in a good light last year. His counting stats were still fine. He still averaged like roughly like 20, 10 and five. So that's where like the, that's, that's definitely where an apt like Westbrook comparison could come in where it's like, well, he's putting up 20, 10 and five. Like, how could it be bad? And it's like, well, because he was dogging it on defense and, you know, certain games, he just seemed really concerned with just hijacking whatever it is the Knicks could have been doing uh, and doing whatever he wanted to do. It was just a big mess. And so, uh, but that said, I'm still not quite there yet where I'm like, I think the Knicks have to pay to get off this guy. Uh, Especially not like, you know, you traded out of the first round this year and got three protected first round picks through trouble. Even if it was one of those picks and I'm, I'm well on the record as saying, I don't think those are like, those are like first rounders in name only more or less because, uh, you know, they're never going to convey as a top 10 pick, which is the whole appeal of trading for a first round pick to begin with, in my opinion, at least. Um, but like I, I would still say, I mean, minimal assets, matching salary and no more players to clog the way for Obi Toppin. Like, I think that that's the biggest thing for Knicks fans right now and maybe for the Knicks front office, hopefully for the Knicks front office. I don't know. It's just finding a way to get that kid some more time. Like Obi Toppin is so massively talented and we've gotten to see so much of him, or I guess I should say so little, but when we saw so much of him at the end of last year, where he finally got to play free without the, without the burden of like, like Tom Thibodeau looking over his shoulder and being like, Obi, if you make one mistake, I'm going to pull you and put Julius back in so he can get his 35 minutes or whatever. Oh, we played fantastic. He averaged like 30 points over the last like seven or eight games of the season. You know, it's like it seems like a no brainer to get this guy more minutes because the team, especially with Brunson in tow, that you mentioned, you know, like the big addition for the Knicks and RJ Barrett, who they featured on offense down the stretch, it would make more sense to have a more complimentary player out there in Obi Top and then a more a, a guy that needs the ball in his hands more like a Julius Randle, which maybe you could make the same case about him with LaMelo about like, right. is he going to take the ball out of his hands too much? But 
I, I think there could be a better case to be made that like they could be the two primary ball handlers there, whereas the Knicks right now are in a position where they're going to have to juggle like three guys like that between Brunson, RJ, and Julius. And even Evan Fournier, if they keep him on the roster right now, is a guy that, as we saw last year, like didn't do great in sort of a spot-up, less active role that the Knicks were trying to have him do early in the year and really kind of blossom towards the end when he was allowed to handle the ball a little bit. So, you know, I, I think that's the difficult situation the Knicks find themselves in is like clearing Julius is just sort of, I hate to put it this way because I could still see the positives in his game, but it's sort of addition by subtraction at this point where it, moving Julius off the team and moving away that high usage percentage that he has and the the expectations that he has for himself as it pertains to his role on the team opens up more playing time for a promising young guy in Obi and also opens up more opportunities for your new free agent acquisition and your newly signed, you know, first round extension guy, RJ Barrett, to really kind of try to flourish together and and become, you know, a, a high usage like backcourt or, or point guard small forward duo, whatever you want to call them. And, and I don't know. I, I think that's kind of just where I'm at. So to take a roundabout way to the actual question you asked, like I think if I was looking at what I, Alex, would want for Julius Randle in a trade, it would basically just be like matching salaries, maybe a protected first-round pick. But if you said, you know, Gordon Hayward plus, you know, whoever you can get add into the trade to make, make the salaries match for the Knicks, I guess that would be like probably be like, Derek Rose or Evan Fournier at that rate, which yeah. if Fournier moves to, that's not the end of the world. And that that might make it then be like, okay, just give me like a, a lottery protected first or something. like, And that's two very capable players for a team that like with some capable players could make playoff noise again in the Hornets. Um, and, you know, just matching salary. Like, I, I think that would be fine by me. Uh, even if you said I have fistful of second round picks or something, I'd still probably be like, you know what? Yeah, let's just get it over with. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that's about where I'm at right now. Well, yeah, and, and if you so, I think the first question becomes: How much do you value Julius Randle? As it would be with any big thing moving in a trade, and do you value him to the point where you think it would take a first round pick? Like, are you trying to get a first round pick in return, or are you just trying to say, "Hey, let's just get these matching salaries"? We, if you give us a first rounder, it can be protected. It can be the fistful of second round picks, and then we're just going to wash our hands of what Julius Randall is now. You know, to me, I think if you're the Hornets and you had visions before the Miles Bridges situation of Lamelo being a bona fide all-star. I know we got in there first alternate, but I think at 21, he was 20 then, right? He just turned 21 years old. I think the ceiling pretty high for Lamelo. We can all agree there's a lot to grow there. You know, should be an all-star going forward. Miles Bridges was like fringe all-star and still had room to get better. Was in that conversation, didn't make it. Probably was going to be about where he was for the rest of his career, making a couple of all-star games. Maybe you wanted to put it at like one and a half. I don't know, but something around there. Now you don't have Miles. Okay, so that's, well, how old is he? Like 25, something like that. You'd go after Julius Randle, who's 28. He's making, I think, 23, 25, 27 million per year, something like that on an incline. And would you rather have the cap space, which means the Gordon Hayward contract coming off of the books, or would you rather have Julius? I'd rather have Gordon Hayward in that scenario. I'd rather have the cap space. Would you rather have Terry Rozier, who has a very similar contract to Julius? I think he's making like $3 million yet uh, less per season. 
you know, that's where it gets interesting because you get somewhat of a ball handler in Julius and, and LaMelo is going to be that guy. So you can have both of those players. And if you envision a world where LaMelo, if Terry's gone, you, you got to figure out who's going to be your backcourt running mate because it's it's bleak right now. But let's just say it's Cody Martin in this instance because we don't know what we're going to get from James Booknight. So if it's LaMelo, Cody or Kelly Oubre, Julius Randle, PJ Washington, Gordon Hayward being your front court. I mean, that's it's a lot of spacing if, if Julius can just get to be an average three-point shooter again. But Steve Clifford, we know how much he preaches defense and how much are you bringing Mark Williams in. Like that, that's that's like a lineup that you can do some decent stuff with. I, I like some of that. At the same time, does that does that lineup get you past the play-in tournament, especially with how good this Eastern Conference is, man? Like if you didn't get better, a ton better this offseason, it means you already did your work the offseason prior to that. And so, you know, here are the Hornets who with Miles Bridges got bounced big time in the play-in. Does Julian Randall substituted in for Miles Bridges fix that? I don't think it does. And Alex, like I, I might not speak for every Hornets fan, but I can speak to you from what my perspective is. I would like to get to the postseason and not get embarrassed. Like, give me a top six spot and allow the Hornets to win a couple of games. I don't want to just get in and and you know get beat four to nothing, right? Like, I, I think that's still relatively within the crawling neighborhood, and we don't have to say, well, you got to get to the play in first and win a game. Like, okay, let's get to that six spot and see if we can win a couple of games. That That's the type of potential and room for growth after that. I don't know if Julius Randle allows you that with the kind of money he's going to be making going forward. And that's why I think it would be really hard for the Knicks and the Hornets if I'm Mitch Kupchak or if I'm Walker Mail running Charlotte. That's why I don't know if I could uh, agree on a deal, even though there's some intriguing things there. Yeah, I, I think I'm... I see your perspective. I will just say... I do think that Julius Rand. I mean, I, I'd be remiss if I if I didn't bring this up because I've spent all offseason defending the Jalen Brunson contract and how sure. I think it's actually quite affordable. You know, everybody scoffed at over a hundred million total. Like, I just don't think people are quite used to nine figures yet. But that's sort of becoming the norm for starters now. Um, and you know, he's definitely a starting point guard, and he's going to be like the I don't know, like 14th highest paid point guard this year or something like that. Which seems about right, but he's also it seemed be like a fine like, contract to me. Like, yeah, yeah fine, right? Like, and, and he's going to be making like twenty five million a year. That's kind of just what those guys make. Like, that's about what Julius is going to be making. They actually their deals are almost identical. Yeah, um, I think Julius has had a little bit more in the way of incentives in it, so his can, if he reaches some of the high highs that he reached before, can become worth as much as I think like one hundred fourteen million over the life of the contract. But as of right now, is worth like one hundred six, and. I mean, if you end up paying him those unlike unlikely bonuses, you're probably saying, cool, that's great anyway. That means he made all-star teams and all NBA and all this other crap, uh, which is great for your team and and great for Julius if he's able to get back there again. Um, I think my I, that kind of brings me to my point, though. I don't think that his contract is going to be super onerous. Uh, I, I think it's just kind of a starter's contract. Um, you do have, from your perspective, LaMelo under his rookie deal for at least – Two more years, because uh, he's on the same as as what Quickly and Obi are on. So, of course, you are going to run in the same situation the Knicks did this offseason, where next year you're going to have to probably max him on a on oh, yeah. a max rookie extension. 
which then means you only get one more year of that cost control. And then he's going to be making whatever it is, like 30% of the cap or whatever, depending on what he does as far as all-star appearances and uh, potentially all NBA stuff like that could determine how much he gets paid on his next deal. So there's all that to consider, but I, I think that Julius's deal should be relatively affordable. And I will say in regards to any concerns that you'd possibly have, and you're right for having him. If you watched anything that he did on the Knicks this past year, I mean, he was on a team that once they started leaning into the youth movement more and not featuring him as much, he seemed to on the court shut down. He was visibly moody and getting mad at certain things on the court at times. Uh, he just, for really no reason. I mean, our, our most famous thing that Gavin and I point out to are the, is there was this one game where the Knicks made a comeback against the Bulls, but it was mostly on the back of like quickly and RJ and the younger guys. And they finish off this big comeback win. And Julius's first reaction was to like storm off the court. Uh, and <laughs> allegedly uh, it's never been confirmed, but allegedly went into the back, like screaming that he wanted to be traded or something. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's so like, what's your cell? You're, you're saying that's no longer Julius, right? Are you saying that could be fixed? It won't happen well, in so Charlotte. I'm saying I could see it being fixed. I yeah. guess it, I don't know what it is with Julius. If he just needs to feel like he, he should defer to X player or whatever. And because of LaMelo being so much younger than him, I don't know if that respect would be there, but I will say that if, if the Knicks would call up the Hornets and get a gauge for things, and maybe even talk to Julius about it before shipping him there. And he seemed amicable to it. Like the 2020 to 2021 version of Julius that we saw actually was like a really good defender. Like in space, he was maybe their top. eh, I won't say top defender, but like top two or three that year. Certainly like he was one of their best defenders in 20 to 21. And that included like, getting switched onto a point guard or something like he yeah. locked the heck up like a bunch of point guards. Like he did a really good job in like Luca at one point. I remember in a one-on-one situation after getting, uh, you know, switched on to him and everything. So it's just like the, the player that made all NBA isn't gone yet. I don't think because certainly his physical abilities haven't gone away. It's all just going to be like, can the next place he goes, if it's not the Knicks or maybe it is the Knicks, I don't know, maybe somehow it is salvageable, but the whole Julius Randall thing, I think none of it is in his body or his abilities or things falling off. Like if you talk about Russell Westbrook, like used to be so good. Now it's like, um, you know, his body's starting to fail him and that's why he can't be a physical freak anymore. And, you know, do the things he used to with Julius. It's just like all in between his ears. Like it's all in his head. And, I, I don't know what situation it would take. It might even ha- be helpful for him being in a small market like a Charlotte because it seemed like it seemed like twice now the the burden of being the highest paid player on a New York Knicks team in the New York market with the honestly quick to flip New York fans. Uh, you know, we demand like. at all times, you know, or at least the people in the garden do most of the time. I I think that that proved to be a little much. So maybe in a less pressure cookery situation, he would be more open to working through some of his stuff too. But I think if, if a team like Charlotte that is in need of more power to push them forward anyway, would take a bet on Julius, I wouldn't consider that to be a bad bet. Like much in the same way that like I, 
it, it's all just about situations where like with the Mitchell, the Donovan Mitchell stuff I said with the Knicks, like this wasn't the right trade for the Knicks to make right now because I don't know if this pushes them far enough ahead, but also it's like too big of a risk, you know, like, so the risk factors are too high. Whereas the Cavs, I was like, this is a perfect move because they're clearly ready yeah. to take the next step <laughs> with the Hornets. It's like, it would be such a low risk move going for someone like a Randolph. All it takes is like Hayward in a fistful of seconds that, I, I would feel like that would be a worthwhile move to make just in case you can unlock that version of Julius again. No, I see uh, the only really reason I think if he does no, the only reason I think it's high risk is because you are getting rid of that cap space because you're on an expiring yeah. deal. And so you have the freeness without Gordon Hayward and Julius Randle, where if you did trade Gordon and that was the thing you were trying to match the salary and you bring back Julius, then I just don't want the chance at a Donovan to go away because the Hornets were in on Donovan Mitchell and Cleveland ended up getting him. But if the Hornets were in on Donovan, at that point you're talking about a guy making $30 million. LaMelo is going to be making the max. And then your big three is Donovan Mitchell, LaMelo Ball, and Julius Randle. If you make that trade and you still, let's say you land Donovan, right? And that's at the, the peak of peaks. Like that's assuming everything goes great in the pursuit of that kind of star that you, you get the next angry star that wants to move out of their market like Donovan. And so that's, that, that's the thing for me. I value the cap space more at this point just because I don't – the moving forward thing, I just don't know how good that team is with LaMelo and Julius Randle. And you are – bet if, if you trade for him, the idea is that you're trading for him to keep him in the long term to – you know for a couple of years of his contract, of course. And you're trading for a guy that made a lot of money in a contract year – all NBA season, and that's the only one that we have to go off of. And I like Julius Randle coming in, and I liked him as a player even before the All NBA appearance. But what is the outlier? The the stats, the stats. When you look it up, the guy had one All NBA season. I just I don't know if he's going to ever reach that again. And you might say, well, Walker, he can be an All Star, and that would still help you. But even then, I I still feel like I would bet against that next year. I, I would bet against Julius Randle reaching an All Star game. So that's why. That's why for me, I just it would be hard for me to agree to it. There are intriguing factors to that, though, for sure. Right. If, if you're Michael Jordan and you just want to fill fill seats as much as you possibly can and you like LaMelo and Julius playing together and you think that would be good enough. If, if Julius just shoots 36 percent from three, can you get back to average, You know, be a downhill scorer, be a good rebounder? Can you do all that? Can that get you to the 43 win mark again? Then you know, 45 evens, right? Something like that. Okay. I could see that. I just, I, I want to be, I want to strive for something more than 45 because Julius is, is not, I mean, Julius is not getting better, right? Like we're hoping he gets back to that all NBA appearance and I would bet money against that. So if, if you don't have higher potential for him, you bake that into the cake with LaMelo, who's only 21. So maybe he can offset that. Is Julius a two on a conference finals team, you know, he he definitely led the Knicks to a appearance in the first round, but then you have to factor in the postseason, right? Like where you have to factor in the the lackluster performance he had there. And so Julius Randle to me, man, it, it that that's one that makes sense for Charlotte in, in different ways. Um, you know, the last thing I'll say is we're, you know, running out of time. If he had a problem with Tibbs, Steve Clifford's our coach now. And Steve Clifford is also a defensive mentality type of guy that you can get in his doghouse too, and he don't want to play you. 
And if you're focusing on LaMelo running offense, having a ton of shooting, and if if Julius Randle has another cold spell and then he's getting frustrated and he's not defending, boy, that relationship wouldn't go well either. Like, you know, it, uh, Tibbs is in a higher – like Steve Clifford is in the neighborhood that Tibbs lives in, right? Like he's not there. He's not at the end of the street. But we know what – his background is too so yeah like that the the head coach situation here would also make things a little bit more of a deterrent for me i'll actually throw one thing at you that maybe would help assuage that fear the the biggest issue with tibbs and julius is not that tibbs holds julius accountable for things oh okay it's that tibbs seems to never hold him accountable for things oh, gotcha no that's um, different like i definitely yeah. thought it was the other way around because those two have had no. problems right like that was no, what oh I, they didn't have I, problems okay honestly I, the biggest thing with tibbs is the reluctance to play any of the younger players that especially at times last year were playing better than julius and and refusing to ever cut julius's minutes if he's dogging it or if he's hijacking the offense or whatever like so Julius pretty much last year always got his 35 minutes per game. Right. No matter what, like if he was healthy and ready to play, he was getting 35 minutes. And there were times where Obi Toppin would be out there having one of the best six minutes of basketball you've ever seen in your life (laughs) and then would miss one shot or whatever, which Tibbs would deem, you know, unforgivable. And then he would get pulled after six minutes and Julius would go back in and summarily stink up the joint. Um, which was, I, again, in large part due to the fact that Tibbs was not holding him accountable for anything. And it it was really bizarre because it did seem like the first season, I mean, maybe Julius just required less of that the first season with Tibbs, like, because Julius was clearly self-motivated that year. Um, but it seemed like that was never an issue. And Julius was actually being sort of the, the tempo setter. So I wonder if, I wonder if, so I, well then, interesting. I do wonder if if Steve Clifford would not do that then, and then that would be another problem, you know. But right, yeah, but then you know. it it goes both ways, right? Like it, there's two ways that could happen. It would either be a nuclear warhead that goes off when Julius decides he's not okay with not being coddled anymore by his head coach, <laughs> yeah. or it would set him on the straight and narrow, and then he'd be like. He'd just be like totally Mr. Team player. Like pick one. Know. Yeah. Only are, one are way you... to tell. It's just the Hornets are just gonna have to trade for him. We'll just I think that's right. The only way that we figure this out <laughs> is if the Hornets just give the Knicks what they want and then eventually land Julius Randle and see how that lineup would look. But yeah, it'd be interesting, man. Yeah, some you know, it's funny, like right? Like we were talking a little bit before. You, you guys went after Jalen Brunson and and we both teams were in the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes, you on a much higher profile. But you have your R.J. Barrett, you know, and so you decided to lock him in. And that was, you know, something that made the trade a little bit harder to take place. And then eventually, at least reportedly, and then Donovan Mitchell goes to Cleveland. You know, we wanted Donovan here in Charlotte, but, you know, it just never ended up happening. And at that point, you guys, you you make a big move like Jalen Brunson. That's on the radar for sure, where the Hornets don't. But at the same time, like other teams in the East made bigger moves where here our franchises are that it's hard to see them being so much better next year unless you have a lot of internal improvement. I think that's where, like, Julius getting better for you, R.J. Barrett continuing to ascend, Jalen Brunson taking on a bigger role within the offense. For the Hornets, LaMelo continuing to ascend, P.J. Washington taking a big step up, James Booknight, are you there? Like, that that's the kind of stuff. So, yeah, kind of interesting with both teams needing to rely on some internal improvement this year. 
Yeah, I, I, let's just end on this. Like, I won't even do the whole record predict prediction thing, but like simple yes or no. Do you, or actually, I guess it'll be a three a three step thing. If you were going to predict playoffs, play in, or miss the playoffs entirely, what what do you think is going to happen with the Hornets this year? With the Knicks or the Hornets? Actually, yeah, we'll play it for each other. Okay, okay. yeah, you do it with the Knicks. <laughs> what do you think for the Knicks? So, so for the Knicks, I think you guys are play in. I mm-hmm. so if if you go if you went to the Vegas over under set for each franchise and the I know the Hornets were eleventh at thirty six and a half. So if they play up to their Vegas standards, the Hornets don't get in. What what was the Knicks over under? Do you know? I think it's like thirty nine and a half or something. Yeah, like that. I mean, it's I know close. you guys. Yeah, the, I know the Knicks were ahead, and so I would expect the Knicks to be in the play in because if you're talking playoffs, right, you can go down the list. You can go Milwaukee. You can go Boston. Even with their drama, I would still have Boston in the top six. You're talking about, you know, I mean, who knows with Brooklyn? But I, you still have to like Cleveland. You still have to like Philadelphia, Miami. Yeah, yeah right. Miami is one, even with mm-hmm. some problems you might think of them, right? Like. So, yeah, it's going to be tough to get outright six seed, but I do think Nick's getting the play in with a chance to reach the playoffs after that. That's what I would say at the end of the regular season. Yeah, I'm going to say, I mean, I actually roughly agree with the over-unders in that case. If they have the Hornets at 11th, I I would have them probably 11th or 12th in the conference. I couldn't argue with it. Yeah, like I I think losing Bridges was huge. And I mean, it's through no fault of their own. It's through every fault of his own. But right. You know, it still hurts them as a basketball team. And, like, I feel like that's going to be a huge loss. Like, you, you, it's hard to absorb. I mean, from firsthand perspective, that guy freaking torched the Knicks last year. <laughs> like, every time they played and mm-hmm. has for years. So, I mean, I, I know what it, the experience was like on the other side of Miles Bridges. And he was a really good player. But, um, you know, losing him, I, I think, is going to prove to weigh pretty large. I, I think, though... All right, this is my last last thing. You're good. Correct me if I'm wrong. In in a weird way, could it work out for the Hornets if they do take a big tumble this year and end up high in this coming draft? Because right as you're sure. about to have Lamelo in his prime to ha- to hit in this big of a draft would be huge for them. I feel like because this it- draft apparently has so many high difference makers at the top. Sure, and the Hornets do have two draft picks after they traded back. With the 13th selection, they got Mark Williams 15th. And then so they collected the Denver pick when they sent that pick away. It was Jalen Duran, and then they traded the Jalen Duran selection. Um, but yeah, like here's the problem. People are so frustrated with that here in the city because you, you move on from Kimball Walker. Kimball Walker, you know, probably the best Hornet of all time. You don't have a, 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 a lucrative history here in the city, right? Like, you had Alonzo for a couple of years. You had Larry Johnson for a few years. It, we just, any star that's been here hadn't been here a long time. Kimba was. And so that's the star, right? With him being your lead dog, your best ever postseason finish was in the first round, having a seven game series with Miami and then getting beat in 2015 16 by Dwayne Wade. So that happens. That's the most success you've had. You move on from Steve Clifford, who doesn't make the postseason, the last two seasons of his first stint. Borrego doesn't make the postseason, gets destroyed two years in a row in the play-in game. Like We're talking 30 points against the Pacers and the Hawks, and we're going to tank again because you fired James Borrego in order to win because you thought this roster was built 
to win now and get to the postseason, that's the only reason you fire Borrego, because if not, you might just keep him and lose, right? So after that, now the Miles Bridges stuff happens. Yes, absolutely. If they lose and get a high dra- lottery pick, it, it would be fantastic if you had like a top three selection, right? That would be excellent. Top five, whatever. This draft is really deep. It'd be it'd be an ornery fan base for sure. Like it's, you know, to have to go through yet another Charlotte Hornet season like this, because at the end of the day, there's no guarantees and people would still realize that too. Yeah. Again, another similarity to Knicks, because I feel like a lot of what you just said there could definitely apply to the Knicks too. And I feel like that's probably a good note to end on. Two teams, a lot of stuff in common. Obviously, some key differences. And it's not that great. So, hey, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll stew in this together, Alex. We'll be stuck <laughs> in, in the this. middle together. That's right. <laughs> At right? least we How's have the song stuck in the middle with you, you know, just like the song. So Love it. that's the story of the Knicks and the Hornets. So. <laughs> anyway, uh, Walker, do you want to, for anyone that's listening on the Locked on Knicks side, do you want to tell uh, everybody where to find you and all that good stuff. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, so follow us at Lockdown Hornets. My co-host is on Twitter at Doug Branson LOH. I'm simple. My name at Walker Mail. If you want to hear some Lamelo Ball news, I know that he is somebody that the national fan base loves to check in on. We're always talking about Lamelo. Always talking about the Hornets to figure out if he is a guy that can be that lead dog for them to get to the promised land. How much better is he going to get this season? So, if you're interested in that kind of thing, you know where to find us again at Walker Mail or at Lock. On Hornets. Cool. And I'm uh we're at Locked On Knicks for anyone listening on the Hornets side. And uh I run a Knicks website called the Strickland. If anyone wants to check that out, the Strick.land. Uh two great Knicks outlets there. So definitely check those out. Walker, this was great, man. Yeah, man. Nice talking to you. Let's let's not be strangers. We won't be uh, you know, maybe we should we should have a commiseration session around the trade deadline or something. What one <laughs> once once the once the other Julius Randall trade rumors pop up. I know exactly who to go to, and and and, and, that, and we can have that pod. <laughs> Sounds good, man. All right, man. Thanks for talking. Talk to you later.